Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Here you go. One, two, three. Welcome to the final episode of the theater podcast for the year 2020. This is now the annual tradition of the year-end wrap-up. I'm going to call this, because it's 2020, the year-end crap-up. Co-hosting with me today is Diana Salome, who you may remember from episode 41, way back in the day. She's Director of Marketing and Communications at Sereno Coin, which is a marketing agency here in the city and who I've dealt with for many, many years. And I love her and she's wonderful. And that's it. Diana, welcome. Let's talk about let's talk about some shows. It's so great to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you are welcome. Thank you for doing this with me because it's just been a year. It's been a year. I started writing down everything that I had seen in this for this 2020 end of year crap up. And it was like January, tons of stuff. February, okay. And then March came. Yep. Yep. We were just getting into the spring season. We were just about to open everything. And then Broadway shut down. The first show of 2020 that I saw was Gazillion Bubbles for the second time. But the first original show I saw was My Name is Lucy Barton. Uh, What did you think of that one? Well... My Name is Lucy Barton is one of my favorite kinds of Broadway shows based on a book. And it had such an unbelievable following coming into it. It was one of those runs that there was a a big fan following coming into it. But Alan, I just want to rewind for a second because your first show of 2020 is eerily similar to my first show of 2020. (laughs) My first show of 2020 was Slava Snow Show. And... I think that that <laughs> and the Gazillion Bubble Show were probably a prelude for the chaos to come in 2020. It's just, yeah, just stand on stage, throw a bunch of crap at the audience, and everyone goes, Yes, and then you follow that up with all of the serious and, frankly, depressing topics in My Name is Lucy Barton. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a summary of 2020. Well, if going on on that theme too, I saw Slave Play around that time as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my name is Lucy Barton, Emoji Land, Slave Play, which Emoji Land talks about building a wall and and, and discrimination against you know other emojis. And I mean, it was there. It was coming. Yeah. If you put the pieces together. Yeah, the foreshadowing. I mean, yeah, it was all there. Is, is there a theater version of Nostr- Nostradamus? <laughs> well, we're living it. <laughs> <laughs> Diana Damas. Um, yeah, I, I, gosh, January was so good. I saw that. I saw um, a couple live shows too, um, like concerts, Daniel J. Watts. And um, then in February, I saw Morgan James, both of them at Joe's Pub. I mean, that place, the, the, the concert venue is incredible, but like, gosh, you know what? Daniel J. Watts' show is mm-hmm. about him growing up as a black man and the racism and the trauma he's experienced. I mean, this is, Gosh, like, now that I'm putting this together, as we're talking about this, it's occurring to me, like, of course, how could today, how could this year not happen the way it happened? Yeah, sometimes uh, it it takes a reckoning 
right? It takes the world stopping for, for all of us to open our eyes to something that Black people, people of color have been screaming at us for many years and that the world has not been listening to. Daniel J. Watts, what a year for him. Tony mm. Award nominee. I know. Um, and and so to, to see an artist like him um, be able to end this year with a nomination like that, you know, going into next year, hopefully uh, feeling hope for what's to come for him as an artist, for, for artists of color, for his show, for Tina. Uh, that makes me feel really hopeful about the future of theater and for artists like him. Yeah, what else did you see? Because you're, I mean, it's your job. It's literally your job yeah. to see shows. Yeah, well, what a, what a lucky job. One of my favorite things that I saw before the pandemic, before Broadway performances were suspended, was Six. Did you get mm-hmm. to see Six, Alan? That was the final show I saw. I saw their final preview on March 11th. Okay. So that was literally the last show they performed before Broadway shut down on March 12th. I saw Six on March 1st. I remember it was sort of a point where um, we were all feeling pretty nervous about coronavirus, but you know nothing had shut down yet. We were sanitizing and being cautious and going to the theater, but not hugging our friends while we were there. It was kind of this, this. Oh, right. That was when we were doing the elbow bumps. because That was like how we were making fun of it without accepting that it was a big deal. Right. And in retrospect, how funny that we thought it was safe to sit next to each other in a theater, but not hug. (laughs) Well, we'll, we'll, Write that down in our diaries. But I had a blast at six. I thought it was so fun. I thought the music was just absolutely delightful. The The show reminded me of the joy that you feel when you go see Mamma Mia, that you yeah. really feel like you just get swept up in all of it and you can't help but smile ear to ear. And I'm really excited for Six to come back to Broadway after the pandemic because I think it's the kind of show that New Yorkers and tourists, everybody is going to need to lift our spirits and help us escape into a world when Broadway's back. Well, that's that's something that, that so many people have been searching for. And, and you know, Broadway shut down the the escape right um, the escape the 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 immersion I was talking with um, with Nick Walker about this the other day that you know he's a he's a theme park nerd and part of it is is that the immersion especially Disney World does such a great job right of the whole atmosphere the sense the park music per location so specific and the the, the queue the queue lines when you're yeah. waiting in line everything is a theme you're part of that world um, and then to just take away the ability to go see live theater or to go to a theme park or to go any of this. There was, there was so, so many issues that people were having and they were craving all of this kind of stuff. And then, you know, I'm looking at my list of shows that I saw and it was March and then just literally nothing. I think it was September. I went to see a show in Connecticut at a drive-in or it, it was a theater who converted their, their, parking lot into a drive-in so they had socially distanced performers on stage and then last month in November sees the sees the show that production company I watched Saving Wonderland which was written exclusively for Zoom and I was like I mean I, nothing against Saving Wonderland I think they're doing everything they can in this medium mm-hmm. but you can't beat 
the shared experience of sitting next to complete strangers and going on the same emotional journey as them. Yeah. Alan, you know, as you're talking about that, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm staring at my Christmas tree and <laughs> I, I, I can't help but think um, something I'm really missing this holiday season is, is going to the theater with my best friend, John. We, it's, become a Christmas tradition um, over the course of the past uh, several years that, you know, we don't exchange gifts anymore and we'll go to the theater together and we'll see something. And sometimes it's just the two of us. And sometimes family members will come with us or friends will come with us. And it's about exactly that. It's the shared experience of sitting next to each other and, and, and looking at the person next to you when you know they're going to laugh or they're going to cry, or you just want to see their face when someone hits a high note and, and the car ride back home to New Jersey um, and stopping <laughs> at the diner, you know, it, it, it's, it's that experience that, you know, when you go to the theater, it's not just about the two and a half hours that you spend there. It's the joy and the anticipation of going to the theater and it's the come down from that. And I really, really miss that. And I just, I, I try not to think about it too much because if I do, I'll, I'll be really sad all the time, but um, I, I'm very excited for, for the moment where I can sit next to John again at the theater and experience that with him um, just as much as I'm excited for Broadway to come back. It's about sharing it with someone else as much as it is about, about theater. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. It's, it's, uh, well, I guess for me, thinking back to uh, Slave Place specifically, I went there and it's, it's one of those things that, that does what theater does best and allowed me to experience something in a way that I would have never experienced it in real life or see things through somebody else's eyes or, yeah. or experience somebody else's experiences more or less, uh, of course, through this artistic medium. And I went with a friend of mine who is Brazilian and from where she comes from, she's she's not a person of color, but here in the U.S., she's, she is a person of color. She has yeah. to check Hispanic here in the U.S. And we went out afterwards for a drink and just dove into this conversation about white privilege and racism and, and how she's interpreted one way in certain locations and, and another way in another location. And it, it, ha it opened us up to this conversation that we probably may never have had. And we've been sitting here in quarantine for nine months and I'm looking around my, my little home office slash recording <laughs> studio here. And I'm like, I just miss, I miss the randomness and I miss the, the, I get not haphazard. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I miss, I miss the spo spontaneous. That's what I want to say. I miss the spontaneity, the spontaneity of what happens when you're on the subway going to see the show you get the smell of the subway, which is good or bad. You go see the shows. You see the show with your friends. You meet up with all your friends, or you have dinner beforehand, or you go out for dinner afterwards. You have drinks afterwards. Like you said, it's the whole. It's the whole experience, and that's what so many people I think don't realize about uh, Broadway being shut down is that it hurts more than just the actors. Of course, the actors are hurt as well, but you have restaurants and you have hotels and you have all of that pre and post event activities all that's of those right. companies that don't have don't have anybody coming in anymore that's right 
that energy is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody said to me months ago that New York is not back until Broadway's back. And how true is that? I mean, sitting literally just in the center of the city, in the center of Times Square, this vibrant community, it's, it's not unlike a college campus in many ways, right? Yeah. You know, these, these 41 theaters that span these, you know, 20 odd blocks and everybody walking down from restaurant to restaurant to costume shop to theater to drink to office and it's it's a community and that is is missing desperately right now and people have recreated things or I, I should say they've created new mediums in such a beautiful way um and I think we're going to have such a vibrancy when both of those things can exist at the same time. When Jeremy O'Harris is creating works of art on Twitch at the <laughs> same time that you can go to the theater and see one of his plays live. I'm really excited for that moment because of this, of this very dark and trying time, of course, creativity has been born. Um, it doesn't mean that we can't miss um, this this shared communal live, very dangerous during a pandemic thing, <laughs> next to each other, um, and it'll and it'll be back. But you know, there there are there are two things that come to mind, Alan, from this year that I think recreated the sort of communal shared experience really really well, and that's the filmed productions of Hamilton and yes. what the Constitution means to me. Yes. I, I think both of those did a phenomenal job of showcasing the audience. Um, what the Constitution means to me in particular, uh, they really gave you a sense of what the audience was feeling and thinking during the show. The shots of audience members crying and laughing and the progression of that and, and the, the full body shots of, of Heidi Schreck. It wasn't just close-ups of her face. It, it was shot in a way that you would have experienced in the theater. And I, I was very nervous to watch both of them, but in particular what the Constitution means to me because I loved it so much on Broadway. I worked on it. I I feel like I was very connected to the material. And obviously, like I said, if I think about theater too much and the fact that we're missing it, I get really sad. But yeah. I decided to watch it and I was blown away by how well done it was. And I highly recommend it for anybody who's missing theater. Um, that is one of the best interpretations of it. And as is Hamilton, kudos to everybody who took Hamilton and interpreted it. The first time the audience clapped in Hamilton, I felt a visceral reaction because I forgot the sound of what it's like when 1500 people clap at the same time. It was so cool. <laughs> it was just so cool to hear that. So th th those two things I, I really recommend for everyone on, on Disney plus for, for Hamilton and on uh, prime video for what the constitution means to me to watch if you're missing live theater. This podcast, not sponsored by Amazon or Disney Plus. <laughs> not sponsored by either of them, neither am I, but Alan and I would both happily take any sponsorship deals if you're offering them. Yeah, I right. have a thousand followers on Instagram, if that's of value. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so interesting, uh, uh, the visceral reaction, what you were saying, that that what I enjoyed was waiting for applause while watching Hamilton. 
mm-hmm. because they included that. They kept that in there. Yeah. And you know those moments where, you know, you just, you build and you build, it's the end of the number, and then, what? And yeah. when you watch stuff that is filmed like that, that doesn't have that live element, then then it, it, to, it, it it's completely missing. And so I'm sort of worried about how Diana's going to mm-hmm. come out. Diana, yeah. Diana the musical, not Diana you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Although I, I am always worried about how I'm going to end up in life. So valid, <laughs> valid. <laughs> yeah, Diana the musical was filmed in, in an empty house, which yes. will come out at an undetermined time next year on Netflix. Yes. So I, I don't know. Like, I hope they sort of, I mean, I get why it's, why in, in in sitcoms they add in laugh tracks and applause tracks and whatnot right. because it gives you that sense of live performance. And, right. and it literally is this moment that I just figured out why they do it because, you know, all this performance stuff, Broadway came from vaudeville mm-hmm. and you've got all of all of that style that got carried over into these people creating the entertainment that influences our culture. And of course, of course, they 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 want live applause. Of course, they want live laughter. That's what makes it so good, right? Because you want to applaud with people. You laugh when other people laugh, right? You cry when other people cry, right? Right. And then for me, it just becomes a different thing. And that that sort of goes to what I was saying earlier about you know seeing a production that Jeremy O'Harris is doing on Twitch versus something that's happening live as a communal shared experience. I don't know if the production of Diana that's going to be on Netflix, which I'm very excited about, um, is going to, I don't know if they're incorporating audience reaction in some kind of simulated way, or if it's just going to be a theatrical production without that it then for me falls into a different category and I'm going to know when I go into it, I'm going to watch it in a different way than I'm going to watch Hamilton or what the constitution means to me. That's all for me. Then it just simply becomes a different medium. But if I'm missing the communal experience, then I'm going to be watching Hamilton or what the constitution means to me. Did you ever see Diana before, before Broadway shut down? Did you see any of the previews? I did. I went to the first performance of Diana. Oh really? Yes. Yeah, I never got to see it. I didn't get to see it, so I don't have anything to compare it to. So we should actually talk after it comes out yes. because I wonder if you're going to have any sort of muscle memory or visceral memory from being there in person that I will not have because I never saw it live. Yeah, I I have a, a very clear memory of the ending of Diana when I saw it on Broadway and having a, a, a really clear reaction to that. Uh, I don't want to spoil the ending of Diana, but it mirrors the ending of her life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I, I remember feeling something really clear when that happened. And so I, I am really curious to see. So let's let's follow up in the spring okay. after Diana comes to Netflix and talk about that. <laughs> well, what was the most, what was the favorite thing you saw? What was your most enjoyable thing you saw in 2020? Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm going to say... If I'm if I'm looking at the entire year as a whole, I'm I'm gonna give the award to what the Constitution means to me. They're gonna they're gonna win it for me. Um, really? Yes. Yeah. It's that's that's definitely the winner. I think it was, I think it was the best done, uh, and and the best material. But yeah, no. You know what? No ifs, ands, or buts. No ifs, ands, or buts. I think live, virtual, it takes the cake. What about you, Alan? Oh goodness. I think 
Oh, this is tough because I really, really, really loved Slave Play for 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 personal reasons. Mm. I saw Phantom for the first time on Broadway in what? February. The first time? On Broadway. I've seen a touring production okay. decades ago. So okay. it brought back, I loved it because it brought back a lot of nostalgia. It was, it, I, it was the second Broadway caliber show I had ever seen in my life when I was a wee lad. Aww. So that was one of the, that in Chicago, the two shows my mom took me to when Ooh. I was younger. Um, so that brought back a lot of memories. And, and now I'm friends with Megan Paterno. And so like that whole friendship has come out of yeah. that as well. But um I gotta say, I think six was my favorite. It it just hit me in a way that I absolutely loved. It like had all the making. It it's you know one act. Yeah. Super quick, super spunky. Everybody, everybody loves each other. You can tell when you're yeah. watching them that that cast loves each other. And then in in uh, in May. I did the Corn Queen takeover here on the podcast. <laughs> so I I interviewed four of the Broadway cast and four of the Australia cast. And all of them just had so many positive things to say about each other, about the show, about Toby and Lucy, about just the whole production as a, in general. And then now my kids ask to hear the soundtrack because I've been playing the soundtrack. And it it just touches everybody so so well and like okay so yes that's my favorite i'll go with six. Oh, i love that okay i have a question for you mm -hmm. if you were one of henry viii's wives which one would you be hmm. as as interpreted by six the musical right um i would probably be anne boleyn i think interesting why because I'm like, well, let's have fun together, but we're having fun on our own. But crap, there goes my head. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, may, yeah, yeah, maybe that. But I guess it depends on what day it is because there's also um, oh, the third one. What's her name? Um, Catherine. Catherine of Aragon, right? The no, one who uh, died during... To Jane, Jane Seymour. Jane Seymour. The one who died during childbirth. Um, there are these moments when I'm like, my kids are my life. I just yeah. love everything about being stuck in quarantine with them. And then they make me angry and I'm like, I got to go out. I got to go outside. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, depends on, depends on the day, depends on the mood. But I think probably Anne Boleyn, just cause I've got a little bit of a, of a restless side. Okay. All right. I'll remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although I, I won't worry too much cause you're the one that gets beheaded. Not, me so right right good. well okay. oh i didn't know you were i didn't know you were henry the eighth in this scenario no well you know i don't know <laughs> I, <laughs> I i would not be one of the wives that gets beheaded that i know for sure okay who would you be probably anna of cleves because i think i would be the one who like i mean she's the one that ends up with a pretty good deal of all of them and i think that like she's got the sass so I think that is the one, that's who I would be. Like, you know, she just ends up being like rich and kind of gets to do her own thing. She gets like the good alimony. <laughs> that's, fair, that's, I think, fair. Yeah. The good alimony and never has any kids. I think that's who I would be. 
What were you looking forward to the most that didn't end up opening? Oh, I think probably company. Yeah. I was really looking forward to seeing company. I love company. Company is my favorite. I think my favorite Sondheim musical is company. Um, I say I think because there are so many Sondheim musicals and that's like the kind of thing that you can't quote yourself on unless you like go back and look. But I'm, I'm pretty positive it's my favorite Sondheim musical. Um, and I wanted to see a female Bobby. I always want to see Patti Lapone. Like I, I would go see Patti Lapone perform in a basement somewhere. Like, I mean, we did during quarantine. Like, <laughs> we, her we, literally, we literally did. Um, <laughs> and so I was really, really excited to go see Company. I loved everything about what they were doing. And I was really bummed to not have gotten to see that. It was such a good cast. It is such a good cast. Did you get to see it? No, no, oh. I never did. I never did. I mean, it just... The cast, though, put them, put all those people together, Katrina Lank and Chris Sieber and Patti LaPone yeah. and like everybody. It was just, oh, God. Yeah, I was really, really looking forward to that. And yeah. hopefully it's coming back. I don't know. Yes. You would you would probably know a lot more than I what's coming back, you know, just being on the inside. So, <laughs> you know, let's turn off the mic here. Oh, my gosh. Right. I think everybody wants to come back, and I think everybody should come back. Everybody got everybody got a short the short end of the straw this year. So I think... Everyone should get to come back. Would be. How is it working though in terms of of rent? Are the theaters who are just sitting like six right now? Are they paying rent? Is company paying rent? Carolina Change? Are these production companies paying rent to do nothing? I'm not sure. You have to ask a producer or a theater owner that, not me. But everyone <laughs> else, I, I'm paying rent. Are you paying rent? Of course. <laughs> But I'm actively in my house, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. But listen, no one's in a great situation as far as that's concerned, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone's, everyone has huge teams and staffs and, you know, the theater industry employs 100,000 people. And so on any end of it, it's not a great scenario. So I'm hoping that we can work our way back to theater getting back as soon as possible because that means that we're restoring not only the art form, like we talked about earlier, but people's livelihoods mm -hmm. and jobs on every sector of the work that we do. So before we wrap up here, I just want to you know give you one more general question about the, the industry as a whole and being connected to it. Uh, what have you been doing because obviously your job has been to market theaters and shows that are not active. What have you been doing to stay active and stay connected to the community? Yeah, well, we we have still been working with all of our clients at Sereno Coin to make sure that we're staying connected to our fans, that we are getting ready for the day that Broadway does come back. We did a phenomenal event for Ain't Too Proud earlier this year that I'm very proud of that I encourage everybody to watch with our friend Nick Walker um, and the cast of Ain't Too Proud, where we talked about themes of Black artists in America from the time of the Temptations in the 60s to what it's like for these Black men in America today. Things like that, that we're making sure that the conversations about Broadway are continuing. Um, on a personal level, the thing that has been the the biggest rock for me has been the Broadway Women's Alliance, which is a community of women on the business side of Broadway. And we are all about connection and making sure that we are empowering each other and that we are supporting each other in anything that we need to do. And this group of women uh, we has been a godsend 
during this time, the group was founded officially in January of this year. And we did our first two events and then the pandemic shut down Broadway. And I'm very proud that in the time that we have been in lockdown, we've done about a dozen events um, for over 500 women in the industry and that we have been more connected than ever. So without that, um, it would have been a lot more lonely and a lot less connected in the Broadway world. So I'm very grateful. 500? 500 events? Yeah. Well, over 500 people, over a dozen events. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, 500 yeah. events. There's uh, not enough events. time. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no. That's more than one a day. No, no, okay. no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. Um, where can we find more information and watch the and get connected if people want to want to join up and learn more? Check us out on Instagram at Broadway Women's Alliance, um, or you can visit our website at broadwaywomensalliance.com. Thanks for that, Alan. And, and <laughs> check us out and, and visit us. And, and please join. The, the group is open to anybody who's female or female identifying. Um, our, our programming is targeted towards people who are on the business side of Broadway, but we are open to absolutely everybody. Given that everything's been moving to virtual world, mm-hmm. I guess there's two things Two elephants in the room. One would be, what did you think about the lack of uh, Tony Awards that have happened so far? And then the other one, if we're going to back up again a month, the parade, right? Because the parade had pre-recorded performances and just, of course, was different than it ever, ever has been before. Yeah. So... Let's start with the Tony Awards. You know, what's interesting about the Tony Awards, when when it really boils down to it. I think the Tony Awards is important for two reasons. Number one, it's an honor of the artists that we're honoring, right? So I care about how those artists feel. And do they want to have a ceremony right now? Do they want to have a ceremony next year? Do they want the nominations to happen now? Do they want the nominations to happen next year? So at the end of the day, I defer to them. It's what they want. It doesn't matter how eager I am to see Aaron Tveit be honored for his performance. For me, it matters what they think. Um, And the second purpose for me is making sure that the world knows how amazing Broadway is and getting it out on the biggest platform possible. And that, for me, is a reason to make sure that we're waiting until we can get it on the biggest platform possible. So whenever that can happen is when I think that the Tony Award should happen. That was a very uh, a politically correct answer there. I, I, I applaud you for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that nominations should not have happened this year. I'll say that. Because by the time we come back, it's going to be past when the cutoff would have been for a 2020-21 season. So we're not going to have a 2020-2021 season. And therefore, we're going to have the beginning of 2019 with the end of 2021. They they should have just waited and combined the end of next year with the beginning of this year. And I think, I mean, nothing, I have absolutely nothing against all the nominations. All the nominations should have happened as they have happened, but I think there, it would have been nice to have a few more people to choose from in the pool. So the American Theater Wing announced months ago that they would hold the Tony Awards now in December, and then we're now in December, and there's been nothing but the whole, the backstory is that they thought that that Broadway would already be announced that it'd be coming back by now. So, again, I think it was a little bit premature. I hope that going forward, um, 
they have a venue and a time before, <laughs> before announcing that the Tonys are going to happen. But along those lines, I completely agree with you that it needs to be on the biggest stage possible, the biggest platform possible. But what about the parade? What about the Macy's parade? Okay, here's what I'll say about the parade. We had two options, Alan. No Broadway or Broadway as you saw it. What's the option that you want? Because my option is Broadway as you saw it, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Fair. Very fair, very fair. I, yeah, I'll just, I'll agree with you on that. I'm glad we had something. I'm glad we had something. I wish it was more, but knowing some of the people in it, it was a, it was a hassle. Yeah. Because they had, they had a quarantine and they had to uh, do all of this to make sure it was safe, which was very, very nice. So, yeah. you know, I'm kind of conflicted of like putting people at risk a little bit, but then also bringing this content to the world where, again, talking about the biggest platform you can have, so many people watch the Macy's Day Parade. So it's great to have that out there. Right, right. And we are, we are in such a uh, challenging situation in the middle of a pandemic where uh, uh, safety and health has to come first, right? And I'm so grateful to all of those actors who decided that they were going to take the time that they needed to, the weeks of quarantine, all of the rehearsal, getting themselves back into the routine of those shows to bring us all of those moments of joy on Thanksgiving. Like it's not lost on people like you and me who mm -hmm. know that it wasn't about recording a five minute performance. It was weeks of time and isolation in their apartments to make that happen. And I'm so grateful for it because I, I was smiling ear to ear. I mean, I'm going to go back to Ain't Too Proud again. When those guys came out there in their red jackets and started singing My Girl, I was so happy. <laughs> and, and to see, you know, NBC celebrate Broadway in that way by having four shows on there, uh, I, I that, made me, that made me really excited. And next year, I, I, I'm going to knock wood it's going to be up against an audience again on 34th street. I, I look forward to that. Me too. Me too. I, the, the parade would not be the parade without the performances. And, you know, I miss the marching bands and I'm, you know, I miss everything. I miss everything. Yeah. About it. This is, this is nostalgia. And it's, it's something that again, it brings us together. It's this shared experience, love it or hate it. We all go through it together. We'll be back. Awesome. And where can we find you on social media? You can find me at underscore Diana Salome at, uh, on, on Instagram or on Twitter. And I'm looking forward to meeting you. You can get more of me at theaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. I'm on facebook.com slash official theater podcast. Please leave a rating, leave a review. This has been edited by Matthew Hendershot. Send me your notes at feedback at thetheaterpodcast.com. Thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. Diana Salome, thank you so much for being here and for having this wonderful chat. And for everybody listening, please, please, please have a safe and happy and prosperous new year. 2020 was not the best, but let's work together for a much, much better 2021. Happy new year, everyone. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. 